Chris, you've heard it too. I'm going to do a little ready, reading from. Uh, this was an article out of uh, India, at where Ramana Maharshi lives. They have like a monthly magazine. So when I was over there in the, uh, you can get it on the internet now. When I was over there, I uh, picked this up, and I've always really liked it. So I'm going to read a little bit, and we'll just riff on it because he explains it really quite well. I'm going to skip some parts. So he says this is... And he was a devotee of Ramana Maharshi for a long time. And I think Ramana's passed. This is written after Ramana died. So he goes, Simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization will be revealed. Now, for me, as a drug addict, when I was into drugs, this was basically the whole point. You were trying to extinguish the self so that there'd be something there. Like, to me, with the drug use, I used cocaine in one... Well, there's a lot of reasons, but the reason I thought I had <laughs> was I thought I could taught my mind to a certain point, you know, keep it so stretched out that it would snap, and then I would be free from what was driving me crazy. Now, it didn't work, but I gave it a damn good try. Yeah? So I think this is sort of what he's implying. The simply stated the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self, Paul wanting to get out of Paul, which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization, and they use that because of India, you know, spiritual, <laughs> here would be just happy, joyous, and free, let's say. The state of uh, realization will be revealed, but anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own existence. This is the rub. Yeah? This is an important little idea that he's presenting. In recovery, we call it self can't get out of self. In Zen, a great Zen master, Hoang Po, said, you can't use the mind to seek the mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use the light to seek the light. You can try it for eons, and there'll be no results. So it's a pretty emphatic statement. Yeah? They're, making a, they're, they're making a clear line of if this... If this format is in place, what you were hoping or intending or wishing would happen is never going to come to pass. First of all, because it doesn't ever come to pass, you know, it is already what's so. But see, when we take ourselves as a body to be what's so, what's so doesn't seem to be so. Yeah, we believe we can bring it into soness by us doing something or having something or receiving something. But the basic premise we're in is that it's not so, which is a bad place to start if you're looking for all there is. <laughs> you know, if you hidden it by, by making it not so, and the fact is we don't know this because the format, the mental state has done it. For it to be what's so, what's so cannot be what's so. Yeah. What's so cannot appear to be what it is if we're appearing to be this. They just would... The realization of what's so would negate the special someone. Yeah? There would be no... It would be instantaneous. The realization of what's so is going to negate the one that's looking for what's so. So what happens when the one that's looking for what's so gets negated? That's what's so. 
And when it dawns on mine, it has a very strong hit that it's always been that way. And then you realize everything that's been happening is defined by a word called seemingly. Yeah? It's appearing to be true or false to us. Based on us. Yeah? Not based on it. It's just that. It's just what's going on, but it can appear to be true or false to us. So we can make what's so not seem to be so in a seeming reality. Yeah? In a reality that is subjective by me, what I believe or what I don't believe. Not what is, but what I believe or what I don't believe becomes the main currency in that sort of reality. Yeah? So as Jesus would say, or did say, supposedly, as you believe, so it is. Yeah? Or as a man thinketh, so, it, so he is. So you see the power that's actually happening right at this event. Now, the funny thing is, what we're identified as is usually seeking power. But what we are is power, yeah? That's why it's a funny little trick in recovery that you find that your life was unmanageable because you were trying to manage it, yeah? And then when you surrender and you give up the managing or the controlling, it seems to suddenly get manageable, yeah? (laughs) Because now you're not trying to manage it. So... It's in admittance of powerlessness in recovery that you have a source of power. It's in in the admittance of powerlessness. So as a self, which you're not, but as a self, there's admittance, I can't get out of me. In that surrender, in that powerlessness, a new source of power is revealed. It's It's not like it was produced, but it was always there. But because we were, let's say, up the ass of self, we weren't accessing it, yeah? We wanted to access it through being a self, which isn't the access point. The access point is the absence of self, and thank God for us, that's an inherent state, the absence of self. It can only seem to be present. When all the huffing and puffing and believing the thoughts and time and this and that are exhausting you, what happens is you see that it's not real. Therefore, it never was real, and therefore, it'll never be real. You're the only reality. So, in recovery, you don't experience powerlessness unless you're exerting power you don't have. If you're exerting power you don't, or trying to make things happen, or trying to control people, they almost tend to go the opposite way than the way you want. Yeah. But if you so your experience of powerlessness is based on trying to exert power. It's not on powerlessness. Yeah? It's trying to exert power when you don't have it, then you're gonna experience powerlessness. You're gonna get frustrated, you're gonna start blaming people and rationalizing why things aren't working out. Because you won't go to the point that you got no juice, that's why. So but in the admittance of no juice you know, by seeing that you're not the spigot of self, then a rushing water source is available at all times. So now, in the admittance of powerlessness, you don't experience powerlessness during the day. You don't get frustrated. You don't get, you don't have, you don't need giant catacombs of rationalization why something you really wanted didn't happen. You can sort of fit yourself around circumstances instead of trying to fit them around you. It just, it just works better here. You know, you travel lighter. So, all right, let me back to this. This is why I wanted to do this, because it just stimulates the old... 
the old divine flute. <laughs> if you if you if you offer the flute, the player will show up. <laughs> so this is one of the important things that he's saying there about the individual self tries to eliminate itself, merely prolongs its only seemingly existence. Yeah. So by you attempting to get somewhere or get out of somewhere, that's what gives what you thought you were in the in what you thought you were in the reality it seems to have. There's no other way it's produced because an imaginary place can't can't provoke you to escape. You have to see it as a real place that's untenable, then you want to escape. If you see it as an imaginary place, you realize there is like the great wisdom of no escape is a great wisdom of no escape. You realize how there's no escape from an imaginary place. Yeah, that's the good news. If you stop huffing and puffing, yeah, then all the houses won't appear that you want to blow down. The huffing and puffing needs a house to blow down. We get huffing and puffing, and therefore houses seem to appear. Yeah? We're a problem. We don't want to admit that, so we make problems that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's only... All right, I'm reading that thing. You've been here. Z's been here a number of years, so he gets it. If one sees spiritual practice, but there's some new people, you know, get this across. I know they won't believe me, so I think if I connect it to a, a or, you know, a mythical authority like Ramana, Maharshi, and the devotee of his, they'll have more weight than if I say it. <laughs> so simply stated, oh, we already did that one. All right. If one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, all right, so just fit with that one second. If one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to achieve or attain spiritualization or does to attain realization, then there is no solution to this problem. Yeah? So if the format is in place that it's you a lack, a less than, or whatever it may be, using the format of doing and having to attain or get something that you already inherently are, how is it going to work? How's it going to work? You may log a lot of time, you may, you know, check into the spiritual profession and log a lot of time and know every freaking teacher that's ever walked this earth and and quote things and DVDs and this and that, but when the shit hits the fan, it's it's hitting you in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have a face to be hit. <laughs> the whole problem stems from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. You know, that's another pretty big statement. He says the whole problem. All of its auxiliary sub-problems, all of its family tree, fourth cousin problems, all problems stem from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. I think this is gorgeous. It's such a, it's like a, it's a nail in a coffin, you know. Just one pound goes right in and you're shut off. <laughs> You're buried. 
The first path along the path to true surrender is not to throw in. Oh, this is, the true, the first path along the path to true surrender is not to throw oneself at someone's feet and say, I surrender. It is the cultivation of the awareness and the understanding that there is no individual self to surrender. So really, you don't surrender the self to someone else, you surrender the self. Not to anything, just surrender the self because there isn't, there is no thing you can give someone else called self. It's the idea, it's an assumption, it's an activity, it's a, it's a false bonding to a crazy idea that we can give up, yeah? So you don't surrender the self to the, to the master, you surrender the self. And then you realize you're the master, in a sense, yeah? Or the true Satguru, as they would say. Eternally, always available, right where you are at all times. Okay, so... When Ramana said, and, then, and, oh yeah, and that this individual self never at any time had, has, or will have any real existence. He covers every base there. Has, had, and will. <laughs> so Ramana said on several occasions, who is to surrender what and to whom? So who is to surrender what and to whom? He was trying to drive home this fundamental point that without this understanding that there is no individual self, then all spiritual practices are done under false pretenses. And that meditation, whoo, all right, he's going to include some good ones in here. Meditation, surrender, or self-inquiry done without this constant awareness are merely exercises in self-deception. <laughs> the best illustration of this point that I have come across appears in a recent publication called The Secret Arun- Arunachala is it? Arunachala whatever it's the mountain you live on yeah let's see oh yeah in it, a devotee remarked to Ramana that a certain fellow devotee must be well advanced on the spiritual path because he meditated for eight to ten hours every day. Now, when I hear this, I say, I better meditate 11 hours. Got to stay ahead of him. <laughs> you have to get up earlier. <laughs> oh, replied Ramana, he meditates. He, eat, he eats, he sleeps. But who is meditating, eating, sleeping? What advantage is there in meditating for 10 hours a day if at the end of that only the result of establishing, if, if in the end that only has the result of establishing you a little more deeply in the conviction that it is you who is meditating? I rest my case. Judge, all our, all our convictions are annulled. It's finished. <laughs> you haven't failed in your spiritual quest. Failing in a spiritual quest is the closest thing to it. If it fails, it's worked. <laughs> if it's succeeding, question it. If it fails you, far out. Because <laughs> when everything gets left behind, we're here. We're it. We are the square zero. 
Yeah. All right, so the best illustration of this point, oh, we did that. The aspect of Ramana's teaching that one is already realized here and now is widely ignored when it comes to practice. How could it not be? If you're invested in practice, you have to ignore that you're already realized here and now. It doesn't fit in the same place. You know, you can't have one and the other combined. It's either one or the other, in a sense. Yeah, you can still be practicing, but there won't be a sense of you doing it. Yeah? Because everyone has a seat assignment. Your seat assignment may be sitting on a very small cushion for twelve hours. Other people's seat assignment is to have dogs and walk them. It doesn't matter. You know, it's the action. It's the identification as that sense of being the one who's meditating or the one who's walking the dog. That's the bonding mechanism, not the action, really. And therefore, the actions aren't the freeing mechanism either. They're not the bonding mechanism. So it's not like you're doing always the wrong thing. The only thing wrong thing this has to do is this place. So you don't get arrested and jackpotted and own 20 years of alimony or have a baby you can't take care of. You know? So there's right and wrong or following a certain thing. To me, it's like having God rails on the highway of life, G-O-D rails. So AA for me does that. It gives me a design for living that keeps me out of trouble a day at a time. Because I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be having time and space in, you know, Pelican Bay, maximum prison, to sort of, maybe I would, to ponder situations. I may want to not take a shower for a few weeks there. I don't want to bend down or anything. So, this idea, he just keeps banging and banging away. So, it can't, the idea of you're already realized here and now is widely ignored when it comes to practice because it has to be ignored. But its importance cannot be overstated. Ramana has said the removal of ignorance is the aim of practice. Just like in recovery. I believe the 12 steps in recovery, they diminish a mental state where in AA they say the problem resides in the mind and it's a mental state that's running the show. The steps and that way of life diminishes the mental state's influence and then something that was always there starts dawning in your life. Yeah? But it's always been there. It never rose. It was always there. There was just something blocking it. Yeah? So the steps are a very good way, set of principles that will tear down that, that mental wall that's imaginary and then the space that you occupy won't be seen as here and there. You'll realize it. That thing you are looking for called the higher power is always available at all times, right where you are. The most, so here it goes. The most fundamental piece of ignorance is that there exists an individual self who is going to do practice. And that by doing practice, this individual self will disappear or be merged in some super being. You have a name for it, you have other, you know. Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, that's all it needs to be eliminated on. It's not a physical concept. It's not, it's not a principle. It's not a truth. It's a mental idea that's stubbornly persisting. I believe it persists because we're enamored with it, because it's me. It's presented as me. So if I heard your head and the troubles you're having, I'd be bored in a minute. But I may have the same type of troubles in my head, but I'm totally enamored with it. What's the difference? It's the same movie, 
But because the movie is about Paul, I'm quite enthralled by it. If it's about Sue, I could care less. So the quality isn't in the movie. The quality is in the attachment to the star of the movie. So use it. Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, it is not an exaggeration to say that one is wasting one's time in attempts to surrender or to inquire, who am I? You don't have to believe this guy. He wasn't Ramana, but he's... I sort of go along with what he's saying. Correct attitude and correct understanding of this matter are of preeminent importance if the application of Ramana's teaching is to be successful. I would, I could, you could apply that to Buddhism and the Eightfold Noble Path, where it says, if you look at it as a linear progression, like the 12 steps of AA, it says right view, and the view of, that, of Buddhism was non-self. Right view, then right practice, right livelihood, right meditation, right, 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 right. But the right isn't produced by the meditation livelihood. It migrates from the view to whatever you're up to as an action figure, yeah? It's not traveling east to west. It's traveling west to east, in a sense. In other words, the view isn't produced by an action. The view influences the action to be seen as non-action, which means an action that happens without someone there claiming to be the doer of it. And that's basically the premise of all actions, truly. It's only the mental state that implies we have something to do with what's going on. And it's a, it can get to some incredibly absurd lengths. I always use the example of, I went back east and I hadn't been there a while, my hair had grown. So as soon as I walk into the place, the guy says, hey, you've been growing your hair. And I'm like, oh yes, I'm growing my hair. And I'm doing a really good job, don't you think? And I join a group and I, get, I see my hair grows when I'm growing with others. You know, if I sit with others, it grows faster. And it sounds so absurd, but that's how we hear it. Just like with the knee. If someone says, what happened? I said, I hurt my knee in the water. Like I went in the water with a hammer and banged my knee? No. The knee went out in the water. Basically, I had nothing to do with it. But the language keeps implying you have a lot to do with shit you have nothing to do with. If you're listening to that all day, you don't believe you're going to fall under its spell? You can be manipulated to buy a product you don't need or want. By just by listening to advertising. You actually believe if I have a car, that means I'm going to get sex. Don't think the mind is not easily manipulated. It's in conditional minds can totally easily manipulated. And the greatest manipulation is happening right here, sitting here, listening to the thought system. It's telling you, you may be trying to come under a rock you were never under. That you're a loser your whole freaking life. You'll be begging for love and then there'll be tons of people giving it and you won't recognize it. So we're easily, the conditional mind's easily manipulated. Now can you imagine? And repetition is part of it. And what's, what's, there's no more repetition in your life than the thoughts. They're going on and on all day. One, one research said there were 70,000 thoughts a day. Let's say there's 2,000 thoughts a day. 2,000 thoughts a day is like having every person you see times 10 say, you're a fucking loser all day. <laughs> you know, I can imagine it's going to produce a reaction like buying a lot of ice cream or fucking something. <laughs> You've been manipulated to believe something. 
right, so returning now to the practice of surrender and bearing in mind the necessity of maintaining the right attitude with regard to the non-existence of the individual self. The right attitude with regard to the non-existence is that it's non-existent. There's no attitude. <laughs> then the attitudes can flow through you, just like everything else. There's no stabilized, oh, this is my attitude. There's just attitudes occur. It's only when there's the self feeling of an existent self that you think you're the one who has the attitude. And if you've had it long enough, like you now think you're an angry person. How can you get out of something you can't be in? How can you? How, how, how far do you need to dig to get out of an imaginary place? And how long will it take? So the key to the problem and the key to all problems connected with the practice of Ramana's teachings is to bypass the mind. Ah, beautiful. It's like today, you don't want to go to Tam Valley because of traffic. You want to bypass Tam Valley. And how do you do that? Don't get off at the, at the exit. If you don't get off at the exit, you'll bypass Tam Valley. So the key to this problem and the key to all problems connected with the practice of Ramana's teaching is to bypass the mind and move to the realm of being. Now, how far do you have to go to move to the realm of being? Not even a nano inch. Not even one second. There's a mental possibility and then there's the possibility always and forever offered, which is being. There's a mental possibility and then there's the being. They're not separate things, they're just possibilities. Yeah? We're leaning towards the mental state, therefore being seems to be a foreign, infrequent experience we can have if we do and have the right things, or get the right things. Yeah? If you get out of the mental state, which realizing you were never in it, then the being sort of locates you here. It's using this moment to express, not to really acquire much. And it has a whole different view of what's happening. You don't have to learn a new view. You just give up the old view, and the new view you will download. You'll find out what it's like by having it applicable. Yeah? <clears throat> so, Ramana's solution is to... Oh, yes is to let the mind subside to the point where it disappears and what remains when the mind has subsided is the simple, pure being that was always there. In a conversation and talks, Ramana gives the following illuminated answer. He says, It is enough that one surrenders oneself. Surrender is to give oneself up to the original cause of one's being. <clears throat> One's source is within oneself. Give yourself up to it. That means that you should seek the source and merge in it. Everyone likes that sound, especially if they're at a meeting like this. He already talked about one of the main dilemmas about that is if there's a sense of being the you that is going to be seeking the source to merge in it, it ain't happening. Yeah? You have to read the first few paragraphs so that, oh, yes, I'm going to make it, I'm, in, I'm making intention right now as, I, as what I am, which I'm not. I'm going to work towards merging into the realm of being. The mental state only makes everything mental. It doesn't ever give up its guard and admit something else. It just sucks everything in, conceptualizes, and makes it palatable to it. The mental is like something that whatever it comes in contact with, it absorbs it and mentalizes it. 
and basically neuters it. That's why when you think you got it, it's been neutered. The message has been neutered. The message is there's no getting. There's no getting a message. The message does its job that you're the message. You've always been the message. So, this is an immensely profound statement which not only sweeps away many of the myths that surround the practice of surrender, it also shows an indication that the route to the rediscovery of the self, the big spirit, let's say, not the self, (coughs) is the same whether one chooses to label it surrender or self-inquiry. If we examine this statement closely, it is possible to extract three important conclusions regarding Ramana's attitude and approach to surrender. First, There is no external deity or manifestation to whom one must surrender. Deity and or manifestation. Secondly, the source of one's being is within us. It's not in Boise, Idaho, unless you're in Boise, Idaho. It's not in New York, unless you're in New York. It's not in India, unless you're in India. <laughs> I, it would be good if the air, airplanes got involved in this message. They start, start charging you for two tickets the source, and then your fucking crazy idea of who you are. <laughs> the source would get first class, <laughs> and you'd get back in baggage. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the third, oh, do, oh yeah. True surrender is to go back to the original cause of one's being and remain firmly and continually rooted there. How can that possibly happen? If you lose interest in the mental state, guess what? (laughs) If this is translated into terms of practical advice, then surrender comes down to two words, being and stillness. In talks, Ramana says, your duty is to be, and we're fulfilling that mission, yes? And not to be this or that. I am that I am sums up the whole truth. The method is summed up in be still. So I am that I am. Yes, come on, get some chairs. Let's sit in the shade, guys. This is a family meeting, yes. It's a family disease. So the stillness and the being. So I'm reading from a great master, Ramana Maharshi, one of his devotees. Because I didn't want to come up with any material myself. I couldn't do it better than this anyway. Really. The stillness and the being which Ramana speaks. The stillness and the being which Ramana speaks, and now they're not different, yeah? Stillness and then being, they're not two things. With each other and reveal themselves in their full radiance whenever interest in one's thought stream dries up. This is beautiful. When one, so this is what can happen if one's interest in one's thought stream dries up. What is selfing but a thought stream? The mental process that's using thoughts to imply that there's a thinker. That's using, you know, actions to imply that there's a doer. Is using feelings to imply that there's a feeling. Yeah. So he says, if you lose interest, 
if you can lose interest in this, right? Oh, let's see. In their full rating, whenever interest in one's thought stream dries up. So, for me, how I something started to really happen is when I lost interest in the selfing because I lost interest in the idea of being a self because something dawned on me that I'm not that. So as soon as I saw it as a foreign installment, I started to lose interest in it. And this is what he's saying. And it's all that's required is when you lose interest in that, <clears throat> the full radiance of being in stillness may dawn on you. Yeah? But if the thought interest is in place, that won't, that's not a possibility. If your interest in the thought gets dried up, then that is a possibility. Yeah? So how do you get lose interest in the thoughts? If the idea of being the thinker is in place, you're interested in every freaking thought because they're, they're reflecting or pointing to the thinker. But if you lose the interest in the thinker, then you'll lose interest in the thoughts. You'll lose interest in the thought system that's facilitating the bondage to the idea of being a thinker. You'll lose interest in it. And then things that you wish for and have worked for will suddenly start dawning on you with no thought or effort on your part. The shift isn't going to come from thought. It's, it moves away from the thought. And the, how you move away from the thought system is not by going over the thoughts, by questioning, are you the thinker? If you're not the thinker, you'll lose interest in the thoughts, because the only interest in the thoughts you have is because they're yours, or they're about you. You're not interested in other people's thoughts. Are you? Not much. Unless you want to get something from them. Then you'll feign interest, maybe. For a couple hours, hopefully... If I talk to that lady about a cat long enough, she'll go horizontal with me. And I'll have sex, and then that, I never want to hear about a cat again. What happened? It seemed so interesting, the cat. To her. But it wasn't at all to me. You have to see it. See where the... What's, what's putting the value in the thought? The thought isn't bringing you value. It's carrying value. Yeah? The selfing has injected it with old ideas... Then you hit the thought like it's a piñata and you think random things have fallen out that you had nothing to do with it and the thoughts are driving me crazy. They're not driving you crazy. The thinker of it is driving you crazy. Because now you, you're, you're wedded to the thoughts. You own the thoughts as the thinker and now the thoughts own you. <clears throat> you own the feelings as a feeler and now the feelings own you. And you want to get out of the contract, but you still are holding yourself as the thinker and the feeling. So the contract cannot be voided. You're wedded to it. If you hear, you know, this is amazing stuff. It can save you so much freaking time. <laughs> it's just making it so much easier. It is an acknowledgement that... that is understood or believed is of any use. Oh, it is an acknowledgement that nothing that is understood or believed is of any use. That no belief, theory, ideas, or mental activity will bring one any nearer to realization. <clears throat> it is an acknowledgement and a final acceptance of the idea that all striving and all notions of attainment are futile and illusory. This simple shifting of attention constitutes the culmination of surrender because it is the final surrendering of the ignorant notion 
that there is an individual self to surrender. It is the final acceptance and practice of the conviction that there is only attachment to wrong ideas and, this is, and that this attachment can be severed by refusing to give these ideas any attention. And where you cut off the idea's attention is in the one who has the idea. If you see you're not the one who has the idea, you'll lose interest in the ideas. What happens? Your attention will leave that occupation and maybe it'll land somewhere else in the realm of being. And now that full radiance of stillness and being will, will be able to dawn on you right now. The final level of surrendering, ignorance, represents the full flowering of Ramana's teachings on surrender, and any less absolute interpretation merely entangles one (coughs) in the meshes of the ignorant ideas he has been striving so hard to eliminate. You see, it's always like doubling back. You always like move this way, and then you realize the lock. You hear it here, and you're locked again. <laughs> then you try to move this way. You hear a little click, and you're locked again. You try, and in a way, the selfing has you by trying to move out of it. Yeah? When you try to move out of selfing as a self, that's being in self. The, the Chinese thumb puzzle thing doesn't do anything unless you move. Then it's uh, the more you move and try to get out, the more you're in it. Yeah. The mind has, the mental condition has an incredible strategy. All the exit signs are entrances. All the, all the, the escape routes that are, you can buy and read about, and even if they're 5,000 year old escape routes, they're not leading to any escape. It's like, it's like a total disarming of all this mechanism that's just gyrating through time, trying to get something better or something like that. The stillness in the being will become so obvious when that roar of that fucking engine of seeking gets turned off, you'll sense the presence, you'll feel the space of this event. You'll, you'll really know what stillness is, which isn't a stillness that's bookended by yesterday and tomorrow. That's a movement in time. So bearing this in mind, it will now be constructed to have a closer look at the practice of self-inquiry. Here you go. This is directed at the baby. Yeah, see? <clears throat> it's so fortunate in a way, it doesn't have any sense of self. It hasn't been developed yet. Yeah? Because in fact, if Michael was doing that to me, I'd fucking slap him maybe. But the kids are so he's like, oh, what the hell? You know, what the hell is happening? It's <laughs> it's only us that take offense. Oh, oh, I don't like what you're wearing, Rowan. Yes. All right. So bearing this in mind, it will now be constructed to have a close look at the practice of self-inquiry and to focus attention. When you get tired, let me know, because I can do this forever. On the large overlap that exists between inquiry and surrender, Ramana's advice on self-inquiry was clear, simple and direct. But like his advice on surrender, it has often been misunderstood and misrepresented. 
The easiest way to avoid errors is to remember three simple but fundamental tenets of Ramana's teachings. These will sound familiar, because we just went over it on the last page. <laughs> First, that we are all realized here and now, and that only the purpose of practice is to remove the idea that we are not. Secondly, there is no individual self to extinguish because the individual self never at any time existed. And thirdly, no amount of mental practice is helpful because the mind cannot do anything except extend the frontiers of its own ignorance. Isn't that liberating, really? You can just give up the ghost, you know? Mental accountant gets fired. All your little rules and barometers engages can be dismissed. All your little spiritual tool, uh, equipment to pick up the sense of divinity just just pull out all the all that electricity could be going to better use. Pull out the plugs and then abandon yourself. Abandon the idea of being a self and see see what happens. You know, I for one have found it to produce it's not an experience see that's a, in a way someone was asking me about that when I do the talks and something or if I go on tour I cannot mine anything out of a talk my mental state it cannot make anything out of it you can't make a memory out of it I have no memory of what it's like when the talk is occurring there's no memory about it there's no quantification of this was the greatest this, it's just it's unreproachable by the mental gauges it's just what it is. And so it's like a giant absence. I go away to New Jersey, and I remember the diners I eat at. I remember the clothes I put on. I remember some of the people. But I have no memory of the talks. None whatsoever. They say, you must feel so great. I don't feel anything. No way. It's just, there's nothing you can do with it. That's why it's so freaking valuable. You have to, you have to give up your predilections, your opinions, your gauges, because first of all, they're not yours, and then lay them down, and then it reveals itself. But it's not going to reveal itself by all the prodding and the investigating and the acquiring and the capturing and the rubbing on it, and, you know, boom. It ain't happening. It's when all of you gets very uninteresting then what you so sorely would love to see in one's life, you recognize you're seeing from. Yeah? That you're never going to have the mental glory of ever seeing the truth, but you're going to have the exquisite sense of being by seeing from the truth. Yeah? You're never going to have a memory of it. You're never going to be able to write a big thing, oh, this and this and this and this and that and that and this. It's going to be like a giant vacuum that's never been filled it's going to be the inherent demonstration of what they speak about in Buddhism, emptiness. Just empty, a void of any quantity or quality or experience, yet unbelievably influential in its own quality of empty. I don't give you more than 50 minutes. It's a big dose. Keep it down below 50. People start <laughs> zooming out. So, hey, I want to read one more thing. Let's see. 
So here it goes. Oh, I love this thing here. All right, I want to do this. This is a beautiful description of something. I'm gonna find it then. Oh, you'll have to come back next week for that. <laughs> We're all we get hooked so easily. I want to see if I can find this. One is really nice. All right, here we go. I want to read this part. This is sweet. So it says, When one attempts to practice this conviction by putting attention on the feeling of being that is within... Let me see. Thoughts and desires will initially continue at their normal rate but, but if attention is maintained over a period of time, the density of thoughts decrease. And in the space between them, there emerges the clarity, the stillness, and the peace of pure being. So instead of just a wall of noise, you start sensing the silence between those little firings of a thought, yeah? And you see, you start feeling, it's like sort of seeing a, a single like a clips of a film for two hours put on a screen after a while you'd notice the screen has never moved yeah you'd start seeing the gaps between each like uh, whatever they call that thing when you have one one bit of film you'd see the gaps yeah and what happens is occasionally the stillness and this piece will expand and intensify until a point is reached where no effort is needed to sustain the awareness of being the attention merges imperceptibly with the being itself, and the occasional stray thoughts no longer have the power to distract. It's a pretty good example if you just entertain the possibility that you're not the thinker, you're not the feeler, not the haver, not the doer. Then this, another modality of mind, it's not another one, it's just a possibility, will start becoming possible in one's life. Yeah? So like we say in recovery, you'll comprehend the word serenity and you'll know peace. Not have a conceptual idea of it, but you'll comprehend it, what it really is for you. And you'll know it deeply. Yeah? Because you will have an intimate sense of it, right where you're sitting. And you'll see that it wasn't produced by any activity outside, but it was just there when the loss of interest in being the one who was doing the activities got dominant. Yeah? So everything that you're looking for by looking so hard is revealed when you stop looking. Or you just realize you're not that which is looking. Yeah? It's a trick, but that's how it works. It doesn't work. It's not going to bend to your intention and will. It's when those are discarded or given up or exhausted, then it dawns so naturally, yeah? with no thought or effort on your part. Now you have now you have a, a much clearer reference point because it's everywhere. 
So you see the thoughts from there, and the thoughts, the thoughts have a lot of power over you when they're orbiting around the idea of being the thinker. They're so closely bound, you're like in this horizontal loop. It's like wearing a pair of horizontal glasses that are 360. You basically see the same movie all day. Things change, people change, but it's always you. you know? This inserts and breaks that bondage, and now you get a vertical hit, and that's the sense of being. And now your mind can tell the difference. It's now had a, a, a demonstration so it can entertain that possibility while it sees all the other possibilities being offered by the mental state. And now an abstinence can start to occur where you stop going along with it because you've lost interest in it because inherently it's not about you. So this thought system doesn't stop. Your interest just leaves it. And then you see the thought's wallop is based on my believing it, not on the thought itself. The feeling's huge effect is not because it's the feeling, it's that I'm the feeler of it. Then you see your role in everything. You see, you're the dreaming of this dream. And then things can truly shift without nothing changing. You just wake up to being awake. Nothing special, ordinary, but totally reliable. There you go.